Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. On April the 8th, 1966, some of you may remember this, but Time Magazine ran a cover on the title of the magazine. And the title said, Is God Dead? That was huge in 1966. Time Magazine, Is God Dead? Now, the premise of the story was to simply ask, remember, 1966, was to ask if the new world of evolution and birth control and the rise of divorce in our country at this time, well, they posed the question, Had the God of age survived the new world? But upon looking a little bit deeper into that article, here's what we discovered. We discovered that it was much more about us than it was about God. It was a turbulent decade, only to get worse and worse and worse and worse. When you think of 1966 to 2022, you can shake your head with certainty, oh my. Yet, Time Magazine begged the question, and even many ask that today, is God dead? Well, the answer to that is a resounding no. We know that. But the Bible does talk about the death of God, the death of God. Listen to this story by a fellow by the name of Martin Dehan. Martin Dehan, and he writes, quote, The God of the Bible was so deeply moved by the harm people do to one another that he actually died because of it. At a moment in time, the eternal God closed his eyes and stopped breathing. Under the weight of wrongs that had hurt those who were dear to him, His body felt limp and lifeless. At that moment, God was dead. Not just in the perception of others, but in real time and in an actual place. End quote. This morning, church, we're going to be looking at the monumental moment where my Jesus was willingly walked to Mount Calvary laid down his life for mine and for yours. You see, this was the day that God died. Now, remember what we've learned so far. In chapter 27, we see and we've learned that Pilate, Pontius Pilate, a real figure, decides to scourge Jesus. Well, not Pilate himself, but he... he, he gave the Romans authority in order to scourge him. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But if you recall, Pilate pronounced him not guilty. And when Pilate pronounced him not guilty, that should have been the end of the story. It should have been over. Everybody go back to your life. Let's get ready for the Passover. He pronounced him not guilty. But in order to appease the crowd, and hopefully to calm this mob down, Guess what he did? He took my Jesus, he took your Jesus, whom you love, and he beat him, 
He whipped him. He ripped the flesh off his back. He shredded his back as well as his front. Pastor, don't be so graphic. No, no, no. If you recall last week, we were a little graphic because it reminded us, oh, how we love Jesus. When we realize what God has done to reconcile us back to him, we can't help but go, Lord, I love you. And what happens in our heart at that point where we're going, oh my goodness, we see the Lord and what he's done. Well, I love you, God. We realize that there is nothing we can do, but all we can offer is what we have. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my life. We learned in our past studies that Jesus did this for us. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo, he did this for us. It was crushing of Jesus for our sins. And much like the olive press we talked about, last week we saw that Jesus, what Jesus went through for our sake, and we walked away saying, oh, how much he really, really loved us. And then in light of our study, I was thinking about John chapter 19, verse 17 and 18. John, the apostle, writes this, And bearing his cross, speaking of Jesus, he went out to the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where he was crucified with two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Your attention, please. We need to understand that. We can't just bypass that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the story. Jesus was in the middle. I've seen the books. Jesus is in the middle, one on one side, one on the other. Okay, no, 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 no. Here's what we really need to grasp for just a moment. If we're not real careful, we'll read right past this verse. But I draw your attention to it because Pilate gave orders that Jesus should be crucified between two criminals. All unknown to himself, he was simply putting into execution the eternal decree of God and fulfilling the prophetic word. 700 years before the Roman officer gave his command, God had declared through Isaiah that his son, ready, should be numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah 53 verse 12 that Jesus, his son, should be numbered with transgression. How many years? 700 years before that, it was prophesied. 700 years. Now, I want you to put on your thinking caps for just a moment. The Savior numbered with transgressors was to show us the position he occupied. You ready? As our substitute. You understand that. You go, wait, 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 say that again. Put on your thinking caps. Jesus numbered with the transgressors, one to the right and one to the left, was to show us the position he occupied as our substitute. You see, he had taken the place which was due us. And what was that place? That place was but shame, a place of transgressors, a place of criminals, condemned to death. That was us, guys. That was us. 
we should have been on the center cross. He took our place. Oh, how we love Jesus. Oh, how we love Jesus. You see, your love for God stems from a place where you realize who you are and who you were. You see, maybe Barabbas got off and and went off and the other two, but that should have been us. That should have been us in our attitudes. That should have been us in our dealings. That should have been us. We're criminals. We're thieves. We're all of that. And Paul even says that some of some such for some of you. He says, but God. And that's why we give a big amen. We say, Lord, thank you. Amen. That should have been me, but it wasn't. He took my place. Now, last week, if you recall... Think about this. Our Savior, Jesus, the one we put our faith and trust in, the one we love eternally, the one that is is our God, was beaten. Okay? He was scourged. You understand what that means. They took my Jesus, they tied his hands together, they put him over like where, like a, like just this big wooden beam, his back would be spread out, and they took a cat of nine tails and they whipped him. Do you remember what we talked about? Do you remember the harder, each whip was harder so they could get you to confess your crime? Not only would they get you to confess your crime, who is there with you? And by Jesus, instead of getting easier and easier and easier and easier, they did it harder and harder and harder. But if that wasn't enough, they left his back shredded. Pastor, you're too, you're too graphic. No, no, no. Understand the love. And if that wasn't enough, you recall they beat him with a reed. They punched him in the face. They spat on him. And if that wasn't enough, they made him carry a hundred pound crossbeam down what we call the Via Della Rosa to the place of Calvary. Oh, he didn't just lift it. They tied it to his arms and he had to carry all the while looking at you, looking at me. Why are you doing this, Lord? Because I love you. I love you. I don't want to be... Listen, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're complete. They don't need us. But he said, I love you. I want you to be with me. Lord, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. I love you and I paid for it. You understand what paid in full means? You understand what paid in full means? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We have a realtor in our congregation. She sells houses. Can you imagine if she sold you a house, a beautiful house, and you're like, wow, except the payments are really high. And she goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. Um, it's paid in full. And you go, oh, I don't believe that. I'm going to keep making payments. No, 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 no. It's paid in full. 
The bank's looking at your check going, where do we put this? You keep sending these checks. We, it's paid in full. And that's what a lot of us do. We don't understand that that's what he paid for. And it's paid in full. And then he walks to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And he was nailed to a cross on his wrists. Why his wrists? Because a lot of times they say, if they nailed it to your hand, you didn't have enough tendon, it would just pull right out, pull right out. So they would nail it right here. Now, you go, well, wait a minute. My religious upbringing told me that they always nailed him on his hands. Well, they considered this both your hands from the wrist back. So it would make sense, doesn't it? But not only is my Jesus tied, but now he's nailed. Okay? Now, he can't breathe, so with everything he got, he'd put both, and he'd go, and he'd take a breath, and then he'd... And he did that, and they, all, they started this all about nine in the morning. Now, here's what I want you to know. According to Isaiah, chapter 52, verse 14... It said, but many were amazed when they saw him. Check this out. His face was so disfigured, he, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, he was scarcely known, he scarcely known he was a man. Could you imagine? Guys, if you could just think for just a moment, there you are, you're walking over to the Passover, and you know that the Romans, because this is where they always, this is where they always crucified people. It was in the main highway, and you would see him. He'd be about two feet off the ground. And you would look, and my Jesus was beaten so bad that he didn't even look human. And so they are, and you have in your family, you go, I can't wait for Passover. It's going to be a great week. Oh, man, this is... Wow. Can you imagine your little kid going, Daddy, what did he do? Is that, who is that? Well, it says Jesus of Nazareth, King of the... Daddy, that doesn't even look like a man. This is what the Bible says, that his face was so disfigured. See, we don't think about that. From his appearance, the Bible says, one would scarcely know he was meant. Pastor, stop. It's supposed to be a good day. It's supposed to be a happy Sunday. Well, I want to encourage you to look deep into your heart and say, where's my life in this? Do I love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength? He did this for me. And then another verse that really we talked about last week, it's in Matthew chapter 27, verse 39. It says this, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Can you imagine? There you are, and you're like, Was this the guy? Really? Son of God, huh? Yeah, I remember when you were in Galilee and you were, yeah, get yourself. They were mocking him. Blaspheming them, wagging their heads. And verse 44 tells us even the robbers who were crucified with him Reviled him in the same thing. Wow. Many people were mocking an already suffering Savior. And can I just tell you, guys, 
In 2022, you know this, many people are still mocking my Savior. But that should make us both angry and sad. Because we love our Jesus, but it makes us sad because it's the same ones. The robbers who were dying at the same time. The robbers were going, ha, look at you. We know the story. It tells us in the other accounts. Hey, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, get us all down. What's wrong with you? And they were mocking him. They were mocking God. That's where we left Jesus. In your mind, there he is, hanging on the cross. And that's where we pick up our study today. Verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. What you need to know, church, is that Matthew just kind of gives us snapshots, okay? He doesn't go into detail. That's why we put all four Gospels together and we'll get a complete picture. But Matthew's just a snapshot. Matthew's writing, he's going, yeah, yeah. And you go, well, what happened? Okay, so from nine in the morning till noon, people were mocking. They're coming into Jerusalem and they're, ah, look at you, oh, you this, this. And they're waiting for Jesus to die. Remember, do you remember that Jesus is going to die in just a few more hours and probably one of the shortest, but... The longest was 13 days on the cross. This is why the Romans decided to break the legs, because if you broke the legs, you could not lift anymore, and you would literally die within minutes. You could not breathe. Now, we're going we're gonna to scourge you. We're going to whip you and hope you die there. We don't want to have to make you go to the cross. But if you go to the cross, we're going to make you carry a 100-pound cross beam all the way up. And if that's not enough, we're going to put you and just hope that within hours you'll die. Rome was brutal. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, willingly laid down his life for you. Nobody took it. He, he said, I'll do it. Hebrews tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What joy? You know, not once in Scripture do we hear Jesus going, wow, this is fun, this is exciting, this is wonderful. The joy was you. The joy was you. It's such an amazing gospel how God reconciles us back to him. It's such an amazing gospel to see he's always willing to do this. So from 12 to 3, guess what happened? It got dark. It says that there was darkness over the land. Now, I want you for just a moment to think about the darkness. You go, why? Because it was a phenomenal event. You understand this. Secular history tells us that it was not only dark in Israel, in Jerusalem, but it was dark all over the world. You go, okay, what's, what's the big deal? Well, many people will stand up and go, hey, um, I know the Bible says it was dark, but it was really a coincidence. You see, we have them all the time. They're called a solar eclipse. And a lot of people just kind of explain that away. Yet we've learned through science that an eclipse was scientifically impossible for that time of year. They weren't even in the, the moon and the sun weren't even in the same, you know, rotating. And, and so the science goes, no, 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 it couldn't be an eclipse. 
And then you'll have people stand up and go, okay, okay. If it wasn't an eclipse, you know what happened? It was a haboob. No, it wasn't a haboob. It was like when a cloud comes over. You know what I mean? It gets cloudy. You guys know that. It feels like it's dark, but no. Because secular history also says that there were people, and could you imagine uh, walking out your front door, and it's noon, and you can see the stars. That's how dark. Now, again, in your house, you walk out, and, and you have your lights. You have your porch lights, street lights, all this stuff. But here, they didn't have any of that, okay? Their candles were set for when it got dark at night, okay? We put a candle, we're all, everybody's eating, we're going to bed, blot the candle. Noon! It got completely dark. I mean, I mean, I mean, think about this, guys. It wasn't cloudy. And I think that the Lord was giving them a holy fear that came upon them because it was dark all of a sudden. And I don't know about you, but about 1230, I'd be going, is it going to, I didn't see this. Let's check the radar. What's going on with the weather? I mean, this is crazy. You know something going on today that I don't? What's it's dark. It's, sweetie, get the candles. I don't know. About one o'clock, I'd be going, this isn't going away. Well, you know, right before the darkness came, I was on Facebook and I noticed that they were crucifying Jesus of Nazareth. I saw someone post that they were at the cross and could that be it? Oh, no, surely it couldn't be that. He's a criminal. Really, what did he do? Well, he claimed to be God and you know that. I mean, and and there were some witnesses that said he was going to tear down the temple. You guys know? Yeah, I don't know. It's just dark. It's just dark. About 2 o'clock, still dark. 2.30, still dark. What would be going through your mind at that time? We're going to need some more candles. What if, this is an, what if this is a weak thing? What if this is something? You know, how many of you would think, hey, this is the end of the world. This is it. Remember, I've, I've read about something. This is done. We're, I mean, it, can't, it should not be dark in the middle of the day. It's not cloud cover. We see the stars. It's just dark. So I started thinking about darkness. In the Bible, the law first mentioned, you go back, and whenever it's mentioned first, this is where you go back, and, and it kind of has that same thing throughout the Bible. Okay, well, it mentions darkness first in Genesis before the Lord created everything. It says darkness was hovering, but you know what? The Really, the law first mentioned comes back to Exodus Right? And when, when it says it was dark, so dark that it was scary, so it was frightening, was actually an exodus. And guess what God was doing at the time? He was judging Egypt. And it made me realize right here, church, if you're taking note, we see God's judgment is being poured out on his son for our sins and the sins of the whole world. All our sins, God's pouring out on His Son. The cross, God's judgment against the sins of the world, the first and, and most important judgment took place at the cross. It was there that God dealt with the sin problem to remove it forever as a barrier between Him and mankind. That's why God the second person of the Trinity, stepped in as the person of 
Jesus. Now, think about this. Right here, 2,000 years ago, God was then, move, he was then removing the barrier between us and him. We forever could be with him, talk to him, love him, walk with him. Not sure why people don't. Not sure why people fight it and reject it. But right here, he goes, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my son, my only son, and I'm going to pour out all judgment of the whole world, past, present, and future, on him so that you can talk to me. And when you die, you can be with me, and I have an eternal place for you. Eternal. Think about it for just a second, church. Isn't that amazing? That forever, everybody say forever. Forever. We'll be with the Lord. Forever. Eternal. I don't know if we'll remember what's here on earth. But I know Becky won't have to wear shoes in heaven. I'm just telling you right now. She's going to... She's going to... God poured out for us. Guys, this is why we love him. This is why. It's not a fight against God. You see, our flesh wants to fight against God. It's an enmity with God. But, but when we see that and you surrender your life to him and you say, yes, Lord, and, and you're born again like the Bible says, guess what happens? Guess what happens? You, oh, I love him. And when he asks you to do something, you're like, hey, amen, I'll do it. Yeah, of course. Why? Because I love God. Are you kidding me? Do you realize what he saved me from? Wow. Look at verse 46 with me, church. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about this. Right about the ninth hour, which is three o'clock. Okay, it's been dark for three hours. You hear him say, and it says with a loud voice, okay, which means this is, it's just incredible. Um, a loud voice would be, uh, it, it's emphatic, but very loud, very loud. And he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And he go ahead, and Matthew writes, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Yeah, if you want to circle that word, very interesting word. It means to leave behind, abandon, forsake, and desert. God is crying out right here. Jesus is crying out, God, why are you leaving me? Why are you abandoning me? And you see, there's a lot of people who will get the phrase, well, Jesus, well, God, when he saw Jesus on the cross, he turned his head. This is where they get the word from, forsaken. But because Jesus is fully God and fully man, and he was in constant communication with the Father, my belief, and it's my opinion, I'm going to stand to the side of the pulpit. It's just my opinion. God watched him all the way and knew exactly what was happening. But he still was pouring out his judgment on his son. I don't think God went, oh, no, I can't look. He goes, this is exactly what we need to do to reconcile. It's back to us. And Jesus in excruciating pain in a body that did not look like his and a face that did not look like him with nothing left in him was saying, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Let me give you some background what's going on right here. During the scourging, during the hitting, now remember, they didn't just tap him. They didn't go, here. They hit him. They blindfolded him. Tell me who hit you. I mean, can you? he didn't even see it coming. If, if I were to go to Adam and, and I went to Adam and I said, okay, Adam, I'm going to hit you. Be, you ready? He would flinch just a little bit because he could see it coming. He'd be, yeah, he would. He'd, he would probably duck. But if you were blindfolded and you didn't know it was coming, could you imagine? You're standing there and you're getting walloped. Boom! Okay? You go, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The slapping... What would happen to the body of Jesus? Well, first of all, all of his face would swell. The, his tongue, now jot this down if you want to, his tongue would double in size in his mouth. It would actually, the saliva would leave him and it would stick to the side of his mouth to where when he talked, he sounded muscles like this. You go, right, right, right. Wait, really? Yeah. Think about it. Okay, he's not on the cross. I mean, we get, we get a lot of pictures, we get a lot of movies, and Jesus is, is looking good on the cross, you know, he's standing, but you, he's still all his faith. No, 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 guys, he couldn't. And his tongue would be doubled and it'd be stuck, there'd be no saliva. Dry, dry mouth. You understand that? You go, why? Because I want to show you verse 47. Because he said, Eli, Eli, you know, and verse 47 said, Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's some good stuff here. Why? I want you to know that man in your Bible is capitalized. It's capitalized. You go, why? Because Matthew knew that this man was God in the flesh, and he goes, No, I need to make sure this is capitalized. But those around the cross simply said, This man. This man. And you go, Ben, what's the point? Here it is. Jesus Christ in your life needs to go from being from a man to the man. You go, what do you mean? One of them is someone with no regards. Oh, he's just a man. You're walking on the Passover. Oh, who's that? Dad? Oh, it's just a man, son. Come on, we got to go. He has to go from that historical figure in your life, he has to go to the man. The man is different than a man. The man is fully God, fully man, Savior and Lord. He has to. And see, even right now, God is knocking on your heart. And he's so everly saying, hey, hey, how are you? I, I, I want to take your life and I want, to, I want to make it better. I want to change you. I'm not just a historical figure. I'm not just a religious entity that you, you grew up with. I'm God. God. So with his tongue swollen, 
immediately one of them said, no, 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 he's, he's not crawling for Elijah. He ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. I find it interesting because the Bible tells us earlier on that they hit him with the reed. They made him stand with the reed. They took the reed and they hit him. And now he's offering it. And it just jumped out to me. You go, what does it mean? I don't know. It's just something for you to think about. But, but I think a reed and they offered it to him. And other people said, hey, stop that. He said, Let, he said um, leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Wow. Now, you guys got to grasp this, okay? Look at verse 48 and 49. Jesus is muffling Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. Somebody goes, no, 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 he's calling out for Elijah. And another person goes, no, 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 he's thirsty. He's, he doesn't have any saliva. And he, and he does this. And they say, stop that. You need to. And you know what it shows me? Jot this down. It shows me the heart of men. The heart of man right here. A heart that has not been transformed by God. How so? You guys know and you've seen this. And because we have a thing called YouTube, we can watch them over and over again. But you understand when someone has gotten so distraught in their lives that they crawl up to a building and they come to the edge and they go, I'm going to jump. What do people do? They take out their phones and what are they yelling? Jump! Jump. Jump. When someone, you've seen the videos on this, when someone is running away from a fight, instead of intervening and stopping them, what are they doing? They're recording it. Go, get him, get him, come on. And they want to see a fight, and it's the wickedness of man's heart. Same right here. Oh, no, no, no. Let's see if Elijah comes. Listen, you ready? Only... Jesus can change a heart. Only Jesus can. You guys know that. You, are, you guys are living testimonies. Let me say this, living stones. You guys are living stones. That's the book of Ephesians. That's what we're calling our show. You guys are living stones going, Jesus changed my heart. You don't understand. He changed my heart. I was that guy that mocked the Lord. I was that guy that tested Jesus. I was that guy right here. Oh, let's see if God... And and we do that today sometimes, do we not? Lord, if you're real, do this, do that, get me a job, get me a wife, whatever it might be. Lord, if you're real. And we're like in the crowd going, let's see if Elijah's going to come. You know what you need to do? You need to let the Lord change your heart first. And then you'll see. You see, we try to do it around. You guys ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you off script for just a moment. We, we call it behavior modification. Behavior modification, okay? And so what we do is we tend to modify our behavior. Well, I want to look good. I want to smell good. I want to dress good. And I want to look like this. And we modify our behavior and we learn Christianese. Okay? Well, I go to church and somebody calls me brother. I go, brother? Oh, okay. Hey, brother. And we learn hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And you go, amen. Oh, amen. Amen's another good one. Amen. 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 And we modify our behavior. And so what do we do? We go, well, pastor was, um, um, the team was um, passing the plate for, for, for um, offering. And uh, they came to me and they kept looking at me. 
And they kept looking, and they were passing it. See, we don't pass the plate. But can you imagine? And so your your behavior modification goes, well, I need to give something. I need to get. And so here's five bucks. I don't want God to go broke. So here you go. And so, and that's what we do. We modify our behavior. But deep inside our hearts, we're not real Christians. We've just modified to look like Christians. That's a big danger. What Jesus says is, no, let's do this instead. Let's, let's let your heart change first. Invite me inside. It's called being born from above. Believe, repent, and then watch what I'll do. Yeah, Lord, but if we do it your way, I'm still going to stumble and fall. Can I get an amen? amen. I'm still going to mess up at times. Yes, but you're going to grow. And eventually you're going to have, it's progressive sanctification. And the things that you do here, you're still going to do, but you're going to do them with the right heart. Question, Operation Christmas Child. Did you bring a box because you felt compelled to? Did you bring a box because somebody twisted your arm and said, hey, these kids need you? Okay. Were you at Walmart holding your 20 like this? You didn't do that. Why? Because you were over here already. You said, because I love the Lord and, and I want to give back. I want to give back. Are you kidding me? I'm so blessed. I got to give back. And these kids need something. Are you, are you bringing food tonight because you go, well, Pastor Ben's going to give me the stink eye if I don't. Did you bring a turkey? Are you going to stand at the door checklist? Well, look at your tithing record. You need to bring more food. We don't, right? We do. Here's, here, here's why we give. Here's why we give tithes. Here's why we give offerings. Here's what's in our heart. God, you've changed me. You love me so much. I have nothing. It's all yours. It's all yours. My money is his. I knew pastor was going to talk about money. I knew it. It belongs to him. It belo- Your talent belongs to him. Because your heart has changed. And only Jesus can change a heart. Can I get an amen? Look at verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. You ready? If you're writing in your Bibles, this is the day God died. What do you mean? Jesus cried out again, notice the word, with a loud spirit. So he's already said, Lama, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. But right here, I don't know what he said, but he's, he cried loud, and here it is in the emphatic. It's in the emphatic meaning everyone could hear. So, there you are, okay? We're all disciples, we're in Israel. Okay, we're scared. The Roman authorities are after us. The Popo's after us. You understand that. We're running scared. We're part of that. And so what's happening is now all of a sudden it's dark, but in Israel it's such a great amphitheater. Do you remember? You could talk. And, and so Jesus goes, and whatever he yelled, you heard. What was that? Now it's still dark. So there's a deep cry coming from a place of a skull in pitch darkness. That wake some folks up, don't you think? Then, verse 51, Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, 
and the rocks were split. Look at verse 52. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went to the holy city, and they appeared to many. What? What? Now, we have to do some work. We have to unpack this, okay? Because first and foremost, he says, boom, that what? The temple veil was torn. But notice what it says. It was torn from top to bottom. But what you need to understand is that it's 60 feet high and five inches thick. That was the veil. 60, this is about 11 feet. Can you imagine? 60 feet high, that was the temple. And five inches thick. Even if this side of the church and this side of the church grabbed one end and somebody with great scissors was trying to cut it, you could not cut it. You understand that? And that's from the bottom to the top. But God said, watch this, pow. Wait, 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 wait. I heard some. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's what it signified. It signified that the new and living way was now open in the presence of God. Why? Because before that, only, only the high priest could go in into the Holy of Holies once a year. You understand. You understand how sacred that was. And you go, what do you mean? Could you imagine being the high priest? It's time for you to go into the Holy of Holies, okay? And you had sin in your life? The moment you walked in there, you were dead. Can you imagine? Ah, uh, the high priest just died. Go get him. I'm not getting him. <laughs> He's on his own. But we got to get him out. You know what they started to do? They started to put little bells on the robes so that as long as they heard it going ding, 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 he was all right. And they would, tie a, they would also tie a rope to his leg so that if he did go in with sin in the presence of God, thump. Another one bites the dust. You know what I mean? We just move on. This signifies that you and I, you and I, are now in the presence of God. And we live. Please don't take your prayer life lightly. You're going in the presence of God. The temple veil was turned. Man. But not only that, it says there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. Apparently on Wednesday, there was an earthquake in Lubbock. Anybody feel it? Anybody feel it? There apparently was. You felt it a little bit? Yeah, your hair, your hair shaked a little bit like that? Yeah, yeah. But here, guess what? This earthquake, guys, historically says that this earthquake was actually felt over 600 miles away. So it was, I mean, it was a rumbling. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, time out, Pastor. It's dark, pitch dark. You hear this cry from the cross, from the place of the skull, the scariest place. And what? And now there's an earthquake? Your candles are tipping over. <laughs> you're, you're running around. I mean, this is, this, is not, this is no ordinary event, okay? This is not. And the Bible says, check this out, graves were opened up. Now, here's what I want you to keep in mind. It was not like our graves today. You go to a cemetery and everybody's laying flat, right? That's how we do it. We lay them down and, and then we cover them back up. It was not like that at all. There were many caves and I don't, know, I don't know if Adam and Tiffany will remember, but if you're looking from the city of David up into the Mount of Olives, there were caves. Do you remember that? 
This is where they buried people. Now, you understand the way they buried people was different, okay? If you died, they buried you right away. They put you in a cave. They sealed it for a year. They let you decompose. Once you decompose, they opened the cave, took your bones out, put you in a little box in your resting place. So there's a bunch of bones all on this Mount of Olives. There's a bunch. This seems to be that these were people that had just recently died. Because unless God did a miracle, and he can, he had to, he, these are people that, 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 that had just, you go, why? Well, because all of a sudden, they came back to life. They came back to life. Now, I think that's interesting, because can you imagine if your Uncle Joe, and I hope you don't have an Uncle Joe, but if your Uncle Joe just died, like four days before, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's like, it's the dead guy. I mean, you would freak out, wouldn't you? Oh, God, just went to your... I just went... And, and he's coming to minister. He's like, hey, you won't believe it. God is real. It's amazing. It's amazing. And we don't think about that, guys, because we think, well, that, but, but think about this. Jesus dies, and all of a sudden, this earth... And now, and now your, your relative that died a few weeks ago, is ministering? What does that look like in your life? Are you like touching their face? Are you like, is that? Okay, you look a lot like my aunt. What was your favorite color? You know, I mean, you'd be really like questioning like, and he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. You see, when I died... My body stayed here. You put me in the cave over there. You're waiting for me to decompose. But I went to a place called Abraham's bosom, and it's paradise. It's paradise. <clears throat> three compartments in three compartments. We need to talk about number one. One of them is called Tartarus. It's in the center of the earth, and that's where some of the fallen, awful, ugly angels are right now. Tartarus. You go okay. In Revelation, it tells us that he's going to open Tartarus and let these angels out. These are the most hideous, awful ones, so much that he's, he's kept them in Tartarus. The second part of that is, is, is called Sheol or Hades. We call it as hell, but it's a place where those who have not put their faith and trust in God or Christ or anyone, they went there. We see the story of, of Lazarus and the rich men. Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, which is paradise. The rich man goes to Hades. And he says, Abraham, I'm burning in these flames. Ah, help. And Abraham said, I can't cross that great gulf. So there were some people hanging out with Abraham for just a few days, it seemed like. You know, hanging out with who? Abraham, Moses, Gideon, all these guys that had gone before. They're all, hey, what's going on? Hey, how'd it go? Hey, what are you doing? Well, wait a minute. I'm being called back up. And now you got your body back, and you're going, I need to tell somebody. Come on, somebody. I just gave you the gospel. How does that parallel our lives? That gave me goosebumps, man. Why? It's the same thing. You once were dead. God resurrected you, and now you have to tell somebody. If you'll look at Scripture and study it well enough, you'll see the gospel and you'll see exactly what we need to be doing. He just gives it to us just like that. Can you imagine? Let me ask you this. Do you remember when your grave opened up? 
Do you remember when your grave opened up? And that's the day you said yes to Jesus. You go, yes, Lord. And then all of a sudden, you were alive again. It's called being born again. And your natural response, you see, their natural response wasn't to go, oh, um, well, I don't know what we should be doing. Uh, I was there. I don't know what I'm doing. The Bible says not one of them went back into the grave. It says they went and ministered. So if you're truly born again, you will have a hard time going back to the world. Come on, somebody. If you're truly born again, you won't be, you won't be so pulled to go back to the place you were dead. I'm not saying that the world isn't attractive at times and you go, hey, I really like... But you're going, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I wonder, church, if this was a preview of the rapture. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. I wonder if you just saw, I mean, I don't know, it was dark, but you saw, I mean, and you see these guys and they're coming out going, hey, wow. But I want you to notice something and we'll move on real quick, okay? It says here, um, verse 52, and the graves are open and many of the bodies of the saints, the saints, everybody see that? Why do you see saints? Because here's the thing. A saint is someone who believes in Christ. You realize that you're a saint in the biblical sense. You see, we've taken that word and go, oh, you know what? They're, they're like supernatural and they've got a halo and they're just, they, they kind of float and they just, these are saints. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, the bodies of the saints, why would they call them saints? I mean, because it wasn't like St. Teresa or St. Mary. It was just, it was saints. They were just believers. As believers. So he says, some of the bodies of the saints. Verse 54. So when the centurion and those who uh, with him were guarding Jesus, they saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, and they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this is the Son, or truly, this was the Son of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They're guarding Jesus. They see all of this happen. They're, they're not going to leave their post. I don't care how dark it gets. You understand that. They're guarding Jesus. Three o'clock, boom, earthquake, graves, everything, temple veil. And their conclusion was, this was God. This was the Son of God. Makes me wonder what things in your life, what things in your life has happened that made you look to the Lord? You see, the centurion, up until that point, Roman soldier, by the book. And now, through deductive reasoning, he's going, hmm. And that's the same thing that happens to us, guys. Some of the, probably some of the hardest trials you've gone through in your life were the very things that brought you closer to Jesus. And at the time, you didn't know it, but today you go, uh-huh, uh-huh, wow, wow. I hate hard times, if I can be honest. I hate trials. I don't like them. I don't think anybody gets up and goes, Yay, Lord, let's go through a trial today. But I know 
that they're working for my good to walk closer to Jesus. I think it interesting that elsewhere in Matthew, a Gentile rightly identifies Jesus while the Jews still remain unaware. It was a centurion. It was a Gentile. This is, this is God's son. This is God's son. And many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him were looking from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joses, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. So, the only disciple at the cross when Jesus died was John. You remember that. But many of the women were watching from a distance, and undoubtedly those who assisted him in his ministry. Let me stop right there because the Lord is impressing something in my heart. I want to thank you women. I want to thank you women because it's the women who were following and ministering to Jesus. We read about the disciples and I love that, but the women served just an, as an important role. And we should never look down and go, oh, well, they, you know, there wasn't any women. No, they were there. And they were, they were looking, they were, they were so concerned with Jesus. And here's what it does. It makes me want to thank you women for the job you're doing. And it encourages us men that we need to step up and be the leaders of our home. We should not let our wives do the whole thing. We should be together. We are the leaders. God made men leaders of your home. He made you pastors of your home. You take the lead. Women, here's a little admonishment. Let them. You guys are smart. You're smarter than us. Trust me. And when your husband comes to you, go, this is what I'm learning in the Bible. You go, I learned that in fifth grade. Don't do that to him. Tell him, wow, honey, I'm so proud of you. Keep going. You're leading our family. You're leading our family. Because that all it takes is a man to go, ah, she doesn't care. She doesn't care. I don't know why I got off on that. It's not even my notes. I'm serious, but maybe the Lord wanted that. Because I saw Mary, and I saw them, and, and, and here they were. They were sitting, they were at the cross ministering for a long time. Right here, Jesus is dead. The demons are rejoicing. They're having their party. They're breaking out all the Jack Daniels and all the weed and everything they can smoke. They're really excited about what's happening right now. It's Friday. But you and I know the rest of the story. Sunday's on the way. And so maybe you're here this morning and you feel like it's Friday in my life. It's Friday. It's really tough, Pastor. It's really tough. I am struggling, and I feel like, man, everything is bleak. Everything is... Listen, your enemies around you might be rejoicing. Guess what? Sunday's on the way. Sunday's on the way. Now, as we close, don't close your Bibles. Don't close your Bibles. I'm closing, but I want to show you Go ahead and say goodbye to Matthew and turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. I want to show you something, okay? 
Psalm 22 was written a thousand years before the day we just read. A thousand years. It's a Psalm of David, but as you read Psalm, I'm just going to read it and make a few comments, but as we read it, can you imagine David writing this a thousand years before and how it just whew, parallels and so real Jesus on the cross. Psalm 22 says this, To the chief musician set to a deer of the dawn a psalm of David. Notice the first one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from my words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted you and were not ashamed. Look what verse 6 says. But I am a worm and no man, the reproach of me and despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip and they shake their head saying, He trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. He let him deliver him since he delights in him. Do you see that? Jesus said the same thing. These are the ones, he says, I'm a worm. I'm not even a man up here. I don't even look like a man and, and I'm being ridiculed. David is writing this a thousand years with such accuracy. He says, but you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while in my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Look at verse 12. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Your attention, please. Do you understand what he's talking about here? He says, yeah, it's something about the strong bulls of Bashan. Do you guys realize, I want your minds to go back. Go back to the, go back to the Exodus. Okay, what did the children of Israel do? They made themselves a god. They were provoked and they made themselves a god. What was it? Anybody remember? A golden what? Yeah, a cow, a calf. Satan is often represented by a cow or a calf or a bull. You understand that? As a matter of fact, in 2022, I don't have the video, you can look it up, but in some of the athletic games, they were actually worshiping a mechanical bull. No lie. No lie. This is why in some areas of the world, cows are considered sacred. Well, they're like, they're like gods. And again, look what Jesus says. He says, basically, Satan in the form of this bull has surrounded me. They're gaping me with their mouths. They're trying to attack me. And he says, like a raging and roaring lion. Do you remember that? It says that Satan prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. David's writing this a thousand years before the cross. And then he goes on and he says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Guys, underline that. Why? Because what does wax do? 
it melts, right? Do you remember right before Jesus died, instead of breaking his leg, they took a spear and they stabbed him? And what was his heart? Blood and water, because it had literally melted. It had busted. It broke. Jesus died of a broken heart, and blood and water flowed. It's melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. My tongue, look at it, guys, clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hand and my feet. Underline that one. Why? Because crucifixion hadn't been invented yet. How does David know they pierced my hands and my feet? It hadn't been invented. Wow. I can count my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast as lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he has cried to him, he has heard, My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the end of the word shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For the kingdom of the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even those who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him and be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. Who's that? That's us, guys. That's us. They will come and declare his righteousness to the people who will be born. He has done this. A thousand years before what we just read, David writes everything about the cross. Now next week, you can't miss. I know it's Thanksgiving. You have not my permission to go out of town. And if you're visiting from out of town, you have to stay. But next week is... It's going to be amazing because we're going to talk about two fellas that are going to blow your mind. You go, what's that? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And oh my, oh my, what great application this is going to be. So enjoy your week. We don't have service on Wednesday. Enjoy your family. Enjoy, make sure you come back tonight, but enjoy your family. But next Sunday, it's going to get even better. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. And God, you're just amazing. Lord Jesus, I presented the gospel. Lord, it's there. Lord, the day that you saved us, that you called us out of the grave and you loved us 
and you did this for us. God, it's not about a religion, God. It's about a relationship with you. And you stand with arms open wide saying, come. All who are thirsty, come. All who are hungry, come. Come to the fountain of eternal life. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and God is knocking on your heart and he's calling you from death to life. You see, right now, you've been looking in all the wrong places. You've been looking for peace in a bottle. You've been looking for for joy among friends. You've been looking for... Um, man, you, you've been looking for, for eternal life in relationships and, and you hadn't found it yet. You've been looking for life in all the wrong places. And Jesus stands today and he knocks on your heart and he says, hey, I, wanna, I want you to go from death to life. And you go, Pastor, what do I need to do? I don't, I don't understand. What, what must I do? Well, today I'm going to give you an opportunity for you to say yes to him. I'm just going to invite you. Invite me. Yeah, that's what Jesus does. He says, hey, if you're not saved, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to invite you today. Now, what happens immediately when you hear those words with your eyes closed and your head bowed, here's what happens immediately. Immediately, you're like, oh, no, not me. I'm going to be this too embarrassed. Uh Uh-uh, no. But see, listen, you need to put that away. It's between you and God. But God will never force his son on you to save you and there's no mistake that he brought you to church. He has a plan for your life. He has peace and love and joy. All the things that you're missing, he has that for you right now. But you have to say yes to him. You go, how, Pastor? What do I need to do? In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. If you're serious about that, you'll stand for him at any moment. The grave, the, 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 the tomb is going to be open, and you're going to come walking out fully alive. But you have to do it. You have to do it. Now, I want you to think about something as you pray. There were many graves in Israel that opened that day, but only the saints got out of them. Only the saints went and ministered. You go, what does that mean? That means there were many people whose graves opened, but they didn't walk. They didn't come out. They stayed in the grave. And I'm telling you today, please don't stay in the grave. If God is knocking on your heart, only you know it, that's when you say yes to life. So let me do this real quick. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not right with God, and I'm, I'm ready to surrender my life. Would you just lift up your hand, and I'll give you just a second. So say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you, sir. I see you to my right over here. Anyone else? God is calling you from death to life. Would you just do that? Quit. Yeah, I know it's. A, I know it's a war. I know it's an inner civil war. You're fighting it. Oh my gosh! No, I don't know what to do. Is my life going to change? Yes, your life's going to change. It's going to change for the best. Anyone else? I'm going to pray for those hands that were raised, but if your hand needs to be raised, I need to see it. I can't see it, just... I see it. I got you. I got you to my left. I got you both. Anyone else? Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I pray for these hands that were raised. 
I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them like only you can, that they would make that declaration to you. That, Lord, regardless of the weeks that we have and the ways we stumble, make them know that today is the day that they would be saved, that they would open up their heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would take what they're doing seriously in a way to just... um, in a way to say yes to you. Listen, if you raised your hand and you're serious about God, would you pray this prayer with me? Words alone aren't sufficient to save, but it's you, it's your heart to God. Would you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I'm going to turn from my sin. I've been looking. I've been looking for life among the dead places, Lord. And I learned today that only you give life and only you can change a heart. So with that said, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were buried and you went to Hades. You went to Abraham's bosom and and you ministered there. And I believe you resurrected, Lord. So today, Lord, I shed my grave clothes. I'm coming out. I'm going to be born again. So, Lord, would you come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior and be my God? Lord, would you be my friend? Because today I make a declaration that I'm going to follow you, Lord, forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. Okay, so don't run off. Just uh, see me on the back there. I'll be back there, and um, I'm going to just pray for you guys, and then Talia will close this out. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and hope. Now, when Talia finishes, don't everybody run off because we've got work to do. We need help. And then we'll get this, we'll get this um, sanctuary ready for tonight, and we'll have just a glorious time. I love you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.